You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Until He Comes, is part six of the series, Begin with the End in Mind, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Thank you so much to our choir, all of our instrumentalists today. Thank you, Tina, for singing that. How many of you have ever had that experience that God just gave you honey in the rock? Out of the hardest time of your life, God can bring the sweetest blessings. Uh, I know I've been there too, and uh, thank the Lord for that truth. God has everything we need. Well, if you have your Bible, I hope you do, please find Matthew chapter 25. And uh, we've been learning from the Lord Jesus in the last month or so about the end times. You know, Jesus was one of those preachers who was good at telling stories. Not all preachers are. Jesus was really good at telling stories that would drive the point home. In Matthew 24, he's given a lot of information about what happens in the end times. He was teaching his disciples what to expect. He was giving them signs of his second coming, warnings that they should live by. And as Jesus made his way through what we have as chapter 24, he talks about how uh, he's going to come back for his church. The world is going to undergo seven years of chaos and trauma that he called the Great Tribulation. Uh, And then At the end of that, he talks about the time when he's going to return in power and glory to the earth in what we call the second coming of Jesus. And at that time, he's going to close the book on this age that we're in now of mankind's sin and rebellion against God. And he's going to open up a brand new chapter all the way through eternity where All things become new. He takes care of all that sin and Satan have messed up. It's all going to be made right and made new. And uh, when he comes, we're going to be with him. We know this, that if we're on Jesus' side, we're on the winning side. And history belongs, when it's all said and done, history belongs to Jesus and his people. And so Jesus has taught all through that in chapter 24. When we get to chapter 25, he tells three stories that really help us to remember what we do with all that information. If Jesus is coming back, how now shall we live? And so Jesus tells that in first in the, the parable of the bridesmaids at the wedding. We talked about that last week. And today... Uh, We're going to read this parable about how a boss comes back to check on his three managers. And so let's read it beginning in verse 13. Matthew 25, verse 13. Jesus said, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now here's the story. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one 
he gave five talents to another two and to another one to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Now let me just stop there in the story and explain something. The word talents there, that he gave five talents to one, two to another, one to another, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, that they got, uh, or it definitely doesn't mean here that they got the ability to sing or to play the guitar or the piano or something like a, a talent somewhat might have musically. Uh, here that word talent means a measurement of money. It could have been gold, could have been silver, but this measurement called a talent was the largest measurement for money that they would use. And so uh, to one he gave five of them, the other two, and then the last one, just one. Uh, Evidently, the master was not a socialist. He gave them all different amounts according to their ability, the Bible says. What he thought they could handle, their potential to do something good with what he entrusted them with. And so one got five, one got two, the other only got one. Now here's the thing. A talent in that day was a very large amount of money. And so not everybody got the same thing, but everybody got a large amount. And uh, so continuing the story, it says, verse 16, uh, Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. He invested it, and he got a really good return. He doubled his money. And then it says, Likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. He just buried it in the backyard. After a long time, the Lord of these servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. Then his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, same thing, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, Now, by the way, the word good there has to do with a person's character that pleases God. The word faithful has to do with the conduct of somebody, and that conduct pleases God. And so what he was saying, the Lord was saying to them, well done, you were a good and faithful servant. Your character may not have been perfect, but it honored me, it pleased me. Your conduct may not have been a perfect record, But it pleases me because it honored what I entrusted you with. So well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. Now, what he says there in verse 24 is actually an insult. 
He was doing what some employees do with their supervisors today. They've done absolutely nothing, and then they criticize their supervisor for being mean and unfair. That's what he's saying. He said, I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. That's a banker's favorite Bible verse right there. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this is... One of the most important stories Jesus ever told. And so I'm going to give you three reminders from this parable of three managers. Reminder number one is this. We know Jesus is returning, but we don't know when. He says this all through chapter 24. Then in verse 13, we read a moment ago that Jesus said, The Son of Man is coming at a day and an hour that you do not know. And so it's evident here that the boss in the parable is Jesus. And he has gone away, but he's coming back. We just don't know how long we have until he comes back. Uh, I know that in this parable it says in verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came. It's already been a long time, 2,000 years, since Jesus ascended into heaven. And we know he's coming back, but we just don't know when that's going to take place. A second reminder is this. When he comes or until he comes, we have business to take care of. Until he comes, we have business to take care of. Now, it's pretty straightforward that in this parable, the three servants represent us. And these servants became managers. And so it turns out that we are like managers. In verse 14, the boss delivered his goods to them. The word delivered there means to entrust something to another person to manage or to be a steward of. And so he made these servants his managers, and he wanted them, we find this out in the parable, he wanted the three managers to do something with what he entrusted them with. Uh, He wanted them to do something constructive uh, with what he invested with them, to manage his assets in such a way that when he came back, they will have made a profit. And so As he left, they knew we've got work to do and we're doing it in our master's name. We're doing it with our master's resources and we're doing it for our master's benefit and for uh, his glory. In the same way, Jesus has left us with business to take care of while we wait for him to return. So we don't just sit around doing nothing. 
We don't just stand there gazing up into the sky waiting for him to come back. Instead, we have to be busy. Jesus made that clear with his original disciples. I love this image, and I think it's a good image for us to keep in mind as we take care of business while Jesus is delaying his coming. Listen to Acts 1 verse 6. This is good. It says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority. Uh, Remember, with uh, prophecy and with the end times, we are given information on a need-to-know basis. There's some things we don't need to know. He told his disciples, you don't need to know that, but here is what you do need to know because here's what you need to do. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men in, uh, stood by them in white apparel. These were angels who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This is a good image for us. Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Did you not hear what Jesus just told you to do? This same Jesus, they said, who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And so the point is, listen, we don't have time to stand here doing nothing. We need to take care of business. Jesus left us with business to do in his name before he comes back. And so uh, let's just dig in and, uh, and uh, on this point, I-, I need to ask some questions. A uh, few questions come to mind as I was reading this this week. First of all, if we have business to take care of until he comes, what is our business? What is it we're supposed to be doing until he comes? Well, God's plan is different for every person. But I got to tell you this, for every Christian, we are told in his word exactly what our business is to be. Number one, we are to be evangelizing the lost. Evangelizing the lost. Jesus left us with good news of the gospel to share with our neighbors here in our community and with the nations of the world so that they can have the opportunity to trust Jesus and be saved. And so whatever your job is, wherever you are on your educational path, whatever stage of life you're in, whatever your place is in your family, just know that whatever else you're doing, that is the underlying purpose of our lives. This is our job to evangelize the lost. That's why here at First Baptist Church, We serve people and we love people and we we talk to people because we want to open that door to be able to walk through it with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only message that saves. And we want to help people move from their point of need to find hope in Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's our business, evangelizing the lost, whether it's your neighbor or somebody around the world. As God gives opportunity Uh, we 
take advantage of that. We don't squander the opportunity. Evangelizing the lost. Now, following that up, our business is also discipling and assimilating new Christians. Once a person is saved, our responsibility for them has just begun. We, we then teach them and show them and help them learn how to follow Jesus, help them find a place to belong and to be loved and to serve in the church. And so our responsibility is evangelizing the lost, discipling them and assimilating them in the church, and then caring for the family of God. We do that by loving each other and being there for each other and meeting needs and serving and praying and and moving forward together to fulfill our mission. Uh, So just knowing that purpose that God has given us, this is our business here on earth, that, that will give purpose to whatever it is that you do. Whatever your job, whatever your age, we know as Christians, this is what I'm supposed to be doing until Jesus returns. I'm going to be involved in those three things in some way until Jesus returns. Now, Jesus said that the boss in the parable gave each of his servants a specific amount of money to work with. Not all got the same amount, but all got a large amount, enough to make a difference. And so it leads me to this question. If we know what our business is, what has the Lord given us to work with? If we're like these managers in the parable, what has the Lord given us to work with? Well, uh, based on God's Word, I can give you a few things that I know that He's given all of us. First of all is uh, what we call your shape. S-H-A-P-E. S stands for your spiritual gifts. Uh, Those special spirit-empowered abilities that God gives you when you're saved to do spiritual work in God's kingdom. Every Christian has a spiritual gift. It may be the gift of mercy, may be the gift of teaching, may be the gift of administration or leadership. Uh, But we know every Christian has a spiritual gift to use to take care of business. Now, not every Christian has the same gift. No one Christian has all the gifts. But we all have a spiritual gift to use to take care of this business the Lord has left us with. The H in shape stands for your heart. There's something that God has put on your heart that you're you're passionate about. I mean, this fires you up. It may be uh, working with children. It may be prayer. It may be missions. But you have a heart for something, something that breaks your heart and you want to fix it in Jesus' name, something that's captured your heart and you want to pursue that. Uh, So we have spiritual gifts, a certain heart for something. And then A stands for abilities. These are the natural uh, abilities that you're born with, like the ability to sing or to work with your hands or to do math. Uh, Then there are skills that you've acquired, the skill to be a nurse or a teacher or a business person. That's your abilities that God has given you. P stands for your personality. Uh, Whether you're an extrovert or introvert, whether you're a a take-charge person or more laid-back, 
God has given you a personality to use all these other things in a, in a unique way that nobody else in the world can do just like you can do it. And then added to that, E in shape stands for your experiences. These are all the things the Lord has allowed you to go through in your life. Your family experience, uh, your work experience, spiritual experiences, even painful experiences in your life. God uses those things to shape you in such a way uh, that you can take care of business in a unique way that nobody else can. In addition to your shape, the Lord has given all of us time and opportunity. Now, some have more time than others. They live longer lives. But we all have 24 hours in a day to serve the Lord. And opportunities. We don't all have the same opportunities, but it's the same principle for all of us. We can't bury it in the ground. We've got to take advantage of that and not waste the opportunities He gives. And then uh, the Lord gives us all resources. Uh, That's your uh, possessions, your property, your business, your money. Uh, Let's do this. Let's, Let's take a little inventory and just for a moment in your mind, would you just audit what God has given you? He's given you a certain shape to your personality and your life. He's given you time and opportunity and all kinds of resources. Think about this as you think about what God has given you to work with. First of all, the fact that what you have, what you hold in your hand that God has given you does not belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. And so like those in the story, we are managers of what God has given us. Uh, Look at somebody next to you and tell them, you're a manager. You've always wanted to be a manager. Now you are. Your responsibility is to manage what God has given you for His glory and for His kingdom. So ask yourself this question. With what God has given me, what can I do to give God glory? What can I do to get busy in His work and to show His love to someone and grow His kingdom and get the gospel to someone and to strengthen His family? What is it that I can do? Here's what we know from the story. You can't do nothing. You can't bury it in the backyard. Not knowing what we know about how important this business is. Uh, Here's one more question that I have about that. What keeps us from taking care of business? Because one of the three managers in the parable didn't take care of business. In the end, he had done absolutely nothing. And his master said, you're unprofitable. That word literally means good for nothing. You're an unprofitable servant. We don't want to be that. So what keeps us from taking care of business? Uh, From this parable, I I think I have to say, first of all, it's a lack of love and respect for the Lord. In this parable, this third guy, he didn't even try. Uh, He took what the master gave him. He buried it and went on with his life as if the master didn't exist at all. 
And, and, and the lame excuse he gave in verse 24 was really an insult. You're mean and dishonest. And so I hid it. The truth is, uh, the third guy was not like the first two. They had a respect and, and it seems even a, a, a loving desire to please their master. The third guy, he didn't care enough about his master. He didn't care enough about his reputation or his, uh, his estate to, to do anything at all. I don't think he cared whether the master thought he was trustworthy or not. But listen, that cannot be so for us. If we love Jesus... If we have a holy respect for Jesus, won't we want to put forth the effort to please Him and to honor Him and to obey what He told us to do? And so the more we love Him, the more we reverence the Lord, the more we will want to do and take care of business. Another reason that we don't take care of business is simple. It's found in verse 26. When the master said of this third servant, you are a wicked and lazy servant. It's laziness. Laziness. That we just lay around doing whatever else and we don't do what Jesus told us to do. Sometimes it just comes down to the fact that I am naturally lazy and I don't take care of business. A third thing, and boy this is a serious one, is worldly distractions. Sometimes, and I feel this, I deal with this, I fight it. Sometimes we get distracted by the things of the world. And it may be entertainment, it may be games, it may be spending money. Things that aren't necessarily bad, but they can become idols and substitutes in our lives for what we're supposed to be doing for Jesus. Worldly distractions. Have you ever heard of a man named Demas in the Bible? D-E-M-A-S, Demas. He's mentioned three times in the Bible. The first time, Paul mentions in uh, the book of Philemon that Demas is my fellow laborer. Demas was a guy who was in there partnering with Paul, getting the gospel out, strengthening the churches. He was involved. He was doing it. Uh, then Paul just mentions him by name uh, in uh, the book of Colossians. But the last time Demas is mentioned, it's in the last book that Paul wrote before he was martyred for his faith. 2 Timothy. Something happened to Demas. Listen to what it says. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 10, Paul said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas wasn't taking care of business anymore. Why? Because he was distracted. He fell in love with the world and he deserted the work of Jesus. And we have to guard against that so that we can use the resources Jesus has given us to do his work that he's left us with for his glory until he returns. Last reminder is this. When he returns, there will be a reckoning. A reckoning. Verse 19. The story goes, After a long time, the Lord of those servants came 
and settled accounts with them. There's coming a day like that for us too. When the Lord does a divine audit of our lives. Romans 14, 12 says each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. What He has given us, all these resources, opportunities, we are accountable for those things. And so there's coming a day of reckoning where the Lord will say, what did you do with what I gave you? In this parable, there ends up being two groups. The first two servants who were faithful, they go into that group that is blessed, to whom the master said, enter into my joy. Well done. You were a good and faithful servant. And that's the desire of every Christian. We want to hear those words from the Lord. Well done. You were a good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy, my kingdom, all that comes with it. I want you to share that. The third guy ended up in the other group. And that is, he was, because he did nothing, he was thrust out. He was left out in the dark. I believe, and I may be wrong, I believe that means that that third guy represents those who are not truly saved. Maybe they've heard the gospel and they just buried it. And they know that they've been given a life, an opportunity from God, but they buried it somewhere and they're not using it for His glory. They're going to end up being left out. Here's what we want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. My first real job was selling oranges and souvenirs. We had moved to Kissimmee, Florida, and a man named Mr. Yates had hired me to work in his store there on the Space Coast Parkway called the Orange House. He had orange groves, and so we sold his oranges and his grapefruit and tangerines and, and then all kinds of Disney t-shirts and other junk and uh, so he hired me to work in his store. I really liked Mr. Yates. He was a great guy, very kind to me. And, uh, and yet he was a little sneaky because when I was working there, he would just show up. Sometimes he'd come in the back door, unannounced, side door, front door. You never knew. And he would just show up and say, how's business? Same thing every time. How's business? And I would tell him, well, it's been uh, slow, it's been busy, it's been good or whatever. And then he would tell me, go to the cash register and Z it out. And what that meant was you turn this little key on the cash register to the letter Z and it would start putting out this long receipt looking paper with all the transactions and the totals so far for the day. And he would scroll through that thing, get to the bottom line. And depending on what he saw, he would either be happy or he would be disappointed. And I got to tell you, I liked the guy. It broke my heart a little every time he was disappointed in what had happened. And so I wanted it to be better. Uh, and, and so I tried to work hard. In that job, I learned three things. Number one, I learned top 40 country music from 1983. 
Because Mr. Yates had bought a Muzak system, but he only bought one tape to play. And it was country hits from 1983. People ask me today, do you like country music? I always tell them, uh, well, if it's, uh, it's, it's very particular, very uh, narrow, I like the Bellamy Brothers and Ronnie Millsap from 1983, and that's about it. Uh, so I learned that. I also learned that and when the boss comes in unannounced, I want him to find me working hard and doing my job. One time, Mr. Yates showed up and I was goofing off. I don't remember what I was doing, but it wasn't my job. And the lecture he gave me over in the corner of that business, I will never forget. From then on, I decided, look, I don't want that again. I want him to come back finding me doing my job. I want to be busy whenever he returns. The last thing I learned is that I found out that there was some salesmanship involved in that job. And that if I would take the initiative to go to people with the, we had a little cutting board and I'd cut off little samples of Indian River grapefruit. Or I'd say, hey, have you tried one of Mr. Yates' oranges? Woo, it's good. And I'd give out samples and then say, don't you want to take a bag home with you? And if I would just be extra engaging and where are you from and aren't these oranges good and here's how much they are, then I would sell more. And I found out the harder I worked, the better we did. And the happier my boss was. Sometimes, if it was slow, I would even go out to the side of the road. I could juggle three of just about anything. And so I would juggle oranges or grapefruit and then wave cars in. And I'm thinking about having Pastor Craig do that out on the street on Sunday mornings and see what happens. But uh, sometimes people would come in. and, uh, And I would sell to them. And the harder I worked... The better we did, the happier my boss was. It's kind of like that for us as Christians, isn't it? I realized what I was selling in that store was not my own. It belonged to my boss. It was his resources. If it was mine, I could do whatever I wanted with it. But they belonged to him. He entrusted me. With those things. And at the end of the day, I had to give an account of what I did with what he trusted me with. And so, uh, really, we have some, we have some self-inventory to do. We need to think about this. How's business in your life? What are you doing With what Jesus has given you. He's coming back at a time we don't know. Are you going to be found working and busy and industrious for his glory? Let's all stand together. And uh, I want to lead us in a time of prayer. And will will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, first on my heart right now or those who are here in this room or maybe watching us today who are not ready for you to return. They're they're still lost in their sin. Maybe they've heard the gospel. 
Maybe they've been here many times. But they buried it. And Lord, I pray today for a resurrection. I pray that they would embrace this good news of the gospel. That Lord Jesus, you came into this world. You took our sins to the cross. You died in our place as our substitute. You rose from the dead to save us. And Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would place their faith in you and be saved. If that's you, our pastors are coming to stand here to be ready to pray with you and receive you today. Uh, You come right now, even while we pray this morning. If you need salvation, please come. And don't let this moment pass you by. And as we continue to pray, Heavenly Father, I, I just pray for myself, for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ today, Lord, for our church, that we would be good managers, faithful, profitable to you as we take care of business. Lord, if we get distracted, if we start doing other things that aren't important, Lord, will you please correct us, bring us back to being laser-focused on evangelizing the lost, discipling new Christians, and strengthening your family. Help us to use what you've given us wisely and faithfully. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.